and welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told through the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Here we have news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories. I am your host, Fred. That great theme music is by Roger Gregg of Crazy Dog Audio Theater, and this is an... Oh, man, I've been waiting for this day for a long time, folks. Um, you know, back in 1998, actually, when I saw the movie Armageddon, um, I was in high school, and I thought, this is complete bullshit. <laughs> There's no way that uh, the world is going to be confronted by an asteroid, and Bruce Willis is going to come out to save us. Well, uh, prove me wrong, because actually, uh, scientists are now predicting an asteroid may hit us by the year 2040, but that's not neither here nor there. Um, what I'm getting at is that um, the post-apocalyptic stories of the late 90s uh, made me really think that that was not how the world was going to end. It made me feel that the world was going to end because we were going to screw it up. And that is kind of the genesis of the cleanse. There was also um, a lot of uh, religious angst at the time, um, what I was going through, crisis of faith and all that. And um, that mixed in with um, you know what's happened since then in, in, in oil and Iraq and Afghanistan. And all these things that are happening in the world have kind of changed a little bit of what this this vision was but um at at the heart um i've been working with a story of a a post-apocalyptic landscape caused by humans um and and these three young people who go out to confront it and the monsters and adventures they share um for some time um and it was and it was uh pretty much in the beginning around 2005 when i decided that uh what uh was was originally a novel in fact i've got the manuscript sitting right here if you want to look at them um, would would stop pursuing it and, and finishing it as a novel and instead turn it into an audio drama. But I did not really have the material to do that. I didn't uh, have the skills when I first started this. And so over the last six years, uh, Final Run Productions has, uh, you know, uh, sharpened our tools so that we can bring you this. Um, and I'm finally, finally here um, with this drama, and, and the story has changed a little bit. You know, certain k- characters and situations have grown up, but at, at the heart, the story structure is much the same as that original idea um, over 10 years ago. It kind of frightens me to say that, uh, but it is. This is the cleansed. Um, this is a little unique, folks. So um, Radio Drum Revival is going to change a little bit uh, while we're running this. The season of the cleansed will be um, from now till October, the end of October 2012, and we'll be offering a free podcast of it each week. So this is your primary channel to hear The Cleansed each week. will come out on this podcast, replacing our Captain Radio review slot for now. Um, we do still love Captain Radio, and he will be visiting us from Aurora from time to time, and in fact uh, is working on a new audio uh, project um, long-term project that uh, we will be announcing on this show soon, so you will be hearing much more of Captain Radio, and in fact, maybe way much more back in May, but we'll get there. Um, so, uh, with that said, each week, um, you're going to hear a five- to seven-minute installment of The Cleansed, free of charge, right here. If you want more of The Cleansed, um, the way it works is that the beginning of each month, the first Friday of each month, we'll have a new 30-minute episode. The The episodes are really envisioned as 30-minute uh, uncut director's cut episodes and um, I'm offering those as a paid download for $1.99 so if you like what you hear today and you want to hear the rest of it right now you can go to thecleansed.com and uh, follow the links to episode 1 and you can purchase it for $1.99 you can hear the rest and it's awesome um, in my personal unbiased opinion um, but that's not meaning you can't be sit here for next week and hear the next installment for free it's totally cool with me 
Um, only thing I ask is that if you like the show, tell your friends. Um, you can also become a Final Rune Fiver. Um, that's people who have donated um, $5 or more a month. Um, got, I got a couple friends doing that. Thank you, Tom. And um, that helps us a uh, little tiny bit of money. Five bucks a month gives us some recurring revenue, which keeps expenses like the podcast fees and uh, website hosting and all that stuff up and running to keep bringing you, you this service each month. So um, even though I'm running now three different properties, I'm running finalroom.com, radiodramarevival.com, and thecleansed.com, um, they're all running under one roof, which is uh, me <laughs> out of my pocket because I love this and I hope that you love it too. Um, that's the ranting part of today. Um, I want you to get hooked on the cleansed, and that's my primary objective. Um, here's the first installment. Um, if you m- have forgotten, there was the pilot episode, which is actually really the prologue, episode zero. It's, it is the period of time called the breaking, which is referred to a, a lot in season one. Um, if you want to hear the breaking episode, um, go to thecleansed.com or finalrune.com and look for the link there. Might make this uh, next bit come in, come in and make a bit more sense or to fill your time while you're waiting for the next installments. Here is the very first, episode one, chapter one of The Cleansed. Enjoy. Final Room Productions presents The Cleansed, episode one, chapter one. told me that when the world went down, it wasn't with a big crash. It was a series of them, like strand after strand snapping from a big web. Did he ever tell you what it was like? No. Well, Mom told me about New York at Christmas time. She told me the millions of people crowded around each other in their own private universes and moving at a hundred miles an hour, held together by the ability for things to move, to get from point A to point B. A great, gigantic web of energy. But then, snap. 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 And the world went away. Do you remember that, Luke? Yeah. Yeah, I remember Maria. I remember... I remember through fog as if it were a nightmare. The the kind you can't wake from. I remember that things got lean at first. That was okay. We moved from place to place. My, my real mom and I, but, but we were together. We had food. We had a roof over our head, right? But then the fighting started. My dad came to get me. And, and then the soldiers came to get him. And... I'm sorry, Luke. No, 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 don't be sorry. But everyone has always been sorry for me. Then tell the story, Luke. You tell it better than anyone. You say it like it was an adventure. Well, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> Time. So? I don't know, Maria. There's just so much to remember. Start at the beginning then, huh? What, with John Prophet? <laughs> John Prophet. Yeah, he was the center of the web that brought all these people together. And then tore them apart. Yeah, that sounds about right, doesn't it? John Prophet the Spider. Oh, tell the story, Luke. Tell them all about John Headstrong Prophet. Who nearly killed us all trying to save us. Okay, okay. Okay, Maria, I'll do my best. 
Someone's behind us. Quiet, Zeke. It's okay, we're close. Will the train be ready to go? I sure hope so. Right. Come on, everyone, keep moving. Yes, sir. Come right along. What's that? Hold up, lay low, hold up. Quiet. We got incoming. How could they? Not this fast, we should have an hour, maybe more. No, no. What's happening, Joe? Quiet, Zeke. Everyone stay calm. We can get to the train. It's only about a hundred yards past this corner. Too late! For God's sakes, calm down! Zeke, have you seen Saul? No. Where is he? Where the hell is he? He's supposed to be here with supplies. Up ahead! Everyone, stop firing! Keep moving! Come on! We need to get away! They're coming, John! They're coming! I can see it! Zeke, come on! Move your feet! Yes, John! <laughs> I know! Move! Move! Move through it! <laughs> Run! Zeke! John, come on! There's no time! Zeke! Zeke! They're fighting us! Oh, damn it! Then let's fight! Don't listen to them. Keep fighting. We can't do this. They've got us. Oh, for God's sake, throw some ball. They're storming us. Pull back. Pull back. No, no, don't. Stay put. Stay put. Damn it. Stay together. Stay together. Help, John. Help. I'm coming. John, where are you going? This train has to leave the station. Wait up! But for God's sake, Zeke, come on, fight! The train can't wait anymore! John! The train can't wait! You have to fight! Fight! Abraham, are you ready? I just got on. Ah! I've gotta. I've gotta grab Zeke. There's no time we've got to get on. But Zeke! I can't protect myself! John! Please! Damn it! You coming or what? Okay. Okay! Fire her up! John! Please help me, John! John! Down! All you pisses down! I need you! John! John! You remember... We called it the Summer of Fire? Yeah. In all our years, no one remembered so much heat. Even the potatoes had been baked to dust. Usually we had plenty to eat, but, but now it's slim pickings. I guess the animals were hungry too, since since we were starting to see ones that we'd never seen before. Like the elk. <laughs> right. I came from a farm, at least that's what David said. A farm from the before times. This day you had a mind to take one home for dinner. <laughs> yeah, those elks looked real good. Marie, please slow down. Luke, hold on, we're almost there. Slow down, please. Go. <laughs> oh. Sorry. Just be quiet. Moby didn't scare them off. They don't know what the sound of an engine is, I guess. Which one are you after? The buck. That big bastard over there? You hungry or what? Good. Now, one, two. Crap! <laughs> you missed, you missed. I've never seen you miss before. Something must have spooked them. What? I don't know, Luke. There, oh my, hey, look, look over there. I don't believe it. It's a horse. 
A horse? I, I mean, really? You, do you believe it? Where, where do you think he's from? I don't know. He's not from around here, right? I mean, you think he's from the south? Why don't we ask him? Hey, what are you doing? No, hey! No, Maria, hey! Stop! Stop! Maria! Chill, Luke. I've got a gun. Hey! Hey! Hey, you! Hello? What's wrong with him? Well, he's all slouched. Hey, you! It's coming this way. Maria! I want his attention. No, the horse is spooked. What? It's not under his control. Uh, what? He's... Get out, of... Maria, get out of the way. Hey, hold on! Maria, what the, what the hell are you doing? It's slowing her down. Oh, hey! Hey, darling! <laughs> is he okay? It was just a small fall. No. Hey. Uh, hey there. You with me? Uh, hey! Oh, I don't think that's helpful, Marie. He can hear me. Hey. Oh. Are you still with us? Refuge. Huh? Are we near refuge? Why are you looking for that? How do you know that name? Uh, oh, he's out again. What do we do now? We're taking him back, Luke. You think that's a good idea? You just want to leave him? Well, no, I guess not. Well, then help me. Okay. <sighs> oh. uh, this trailer was supposed to be so help. That's okay. <sighs> you got enough juice to get us home? Yeah. Dad just made up a new patch of Lindsay Dale. Alright, come on. podcast version of The Cleansed. To hear the rest of this episode in its entirety and uncut, visit www.thecleansed.com. You can purchase the entire director's cut for $1.99. Also see a full cast and crew list, exclusive behind-the-scenes video, character sketches, and more. Again, that's www.thecleansed.com. Or catch us next week for another free installment. New episodes of The Cleansed will go up on this podcast for free each Friday from March through October 2012. Those are available at thecleansed.com, finalrune.com, and radiodramarevival.com. The Cleansed is a Final Rune production. Find more free audio stories at www.finalrune.com. That's F-I-N-A-L-R-U-N-E.com. The Cleansed, folks, you are among the first to hear this. Go tell your friends. I hope you're as excited about um, this effort as I am. Um, been a long, long time um, getting this organized and produced and ready for you. And the good thing I can say is that this is not going to disappear into the wind. This production is fully recorded the entire first season. I'm already halfway through the second season in writing it. Um, So we're going to deliver. You're not going to miss podcast installments of The Cleansed. Uh, I am uh, dead serious about getting this on a timely schedule to you. So uh, stay tuned here each week for new installments or check out the first Friday of each month thecleansed.com to get a paid download of the entire uncut director's cut 
edition. Also got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, thank you, Matthew Boudreau, who is responsible for the sound design work that you hear in it. Um, also, Hubert Campbell, who's responsible for the uh, larger-than-life Hollywood-like sound of the film score. And of course, all my actors and other supporters, uh, too many to name right here, but uh, if you go to thecleanse.com, along with this chapter, there is the full credits, uh, and I hope you support those work too. Of course, uh, Matthew Boudreau, who did sound, is with Oral Stage Studios, um, and that uh, group did 1918, and there's a bunch more stuff. We collaborated on intensive care, and Matthew's up to some pretty exciting stuff himself, which we'll keep you apprised about on the show. With that said, uh, we've got more programming for you today, of course. Um, Our feature show is actually going to be two parts of the Leviathan Chronicles. Now, um, we talked to Christoph of Leviathan Chronicles, must have been about a year ago. Um, I first um, heard about it right right at the beginning of the Leviathan Chronicles, and unfortunately, it was a little bit late to the party to start spreading the word, but uh, Christoph has done great. Um, He's got a great fan base out there. People are really excited about the Leviathan Chronicles, and there's a good chance that if you're into Radio Drama Revival that you already are a fan of Leviathan Chronicles. And if you're not, you're crazy. You better go check it out at leviathanchronicles.com. The first season of that, which is huge, I think somewhere around 10 hours, is all available for free there at leviathanchronicles.com. And the exciting thing is that season two is coming up this fall, and there are also a bunch of uh, teasers to keep you hooked while uh, while things are coming along. And we've got a couple of those teasers for you today um, to whet your appetite for more Leviathan Chronicles. Um, First off, actually, we do have Christoph himself, creator of Leviathan Chronicles on the line to talk um, in brief about what we are expecting as plans with Leviathan. Hey, welcome, Christoph. It's terrific to be back. Thanks so much, Fred. Uh, so let's talk about what we have for folks. Um, we're going to be playing a couple uh, teasers today, uh, some samples from The Rogue Plague and The Ward. Uh, do you want to talk about these two, two special editions? Sure. These are our third and fourth special editions that we've released for the Leviathan Chronicles, and uh, this is really to kind of keep our fans interested um, and fed during our interim season. Season two of Leviathan Chronicles is going to be launching later this year, but in the meantime, we want to release what we're calling some special edition episodes. These are episodes that kind of give the back story to a lot of the characters that we met in season one. So it's kind of like, you know, seeing, seeing Star Wars, but then learning how the Jedi uh, first uh, came into being. So we've got two episodes. One is called The Ward, and this is a story about Harlequin, who is a, a master cat burglar and an immortal who meets a young orphan girl in Paris and trains her to effectively be his protege. And uh, the second story is called The Rogue Plague, and that's the story of how Evangeline, who is the queen of the immortals, met her lover, Harlequin, who is featured in the ward also, um, back in 16th century Scotland, and uh, and how an an ancient evil from her past is kind of resurfacing again. So they're great stories. Um, They run between one and two hours long, so they're really kind of like like their own movie, uh, self-contained, and they're available on our website at leviathanchronicles.com, and we're really proud of them. Yeah, and uh, we'll point out that these are paid downloads versus the entire first season, which you released for free, which is pretty amazing given how much content there is and the depth of complexity. Uh, so you want to talk about that, um, the, the freed versus paid model and, and what you're trying to do and how you hope fans will support you? Sure. The, uh, the general model that we're trying to go with is we think Leviathan Chronicles should be free. And we have released Season 1 for free. We're going to be releasing Season 2 for free as well. Um, and the way that we're going to do that is we're going to release one episode every two weeks. Uh, and, and in between the episodes, we're going to release a, a soapbox episode where we kind of talk to some 
the actors and uh, kind of do a little bit of more behind the scenes talking. Um, but so that's going to be released for free. And if our fans want to not wait every two weeks and hear the entire story at once, we're going to offer a director's cut for sale, which will uh, not only give you the entire story for free and you can listen to it at once, but it's going to have about five hours of additional story content, including our epilogue, which is going to set up um, what, we, what we hope is going to be season three. So for the fans that really enjoy Robotham and want to get as much story content as possible and hear the entire story at once, they're going to be able to, get, they're going to, be able to buy the director's cut um, of season two. In addition to that, we're also going to be releasing these special edition episodes, which help raise funds to cover the production costs. And we have four that are out right now. If you go to our website, uh, you'll see them there. And we also plan to release about three or four more during 2012 as well. So we've got a big release schedule, and it's a mix of both free and paid content. And we hope everybody listens and plays along. Wow. And so to be clear about that, from day one of the release of season two, the entire thing will be available for people who are into it? Exactly. Wow. <laughs> it's kind of like seeing um, the, you know, the, the last season of Lost, and instead of having to wait every Wednesday, you can just buy the entire DVD at once. Wow. So no, no wonder you're busy. Yes. <laughs> uh, fantastic, Christoph. I, I, I got to ask one more other thing. I, um, I see that Mer Lafferty collaborated with you on these two latest uh, special editions. And of course, Mer is just one of those people who is, is hugely known in the podcast arena and has uh, worked on so many interesting projects. Do you just want to talk briefly about uh, that collaboration? Sure. I mean, that, was, that has been one of the most fun things about, about the interim season so far is is collaborating with Murr. Um, I'm the sort of author and, and, and writer that I actually really enjoy the collaboration process. And, you know, as, as you mentioned, we have a lot going on for Leviathan. I'm doing this now pretty much full-time, as is uh, Robin Shore, who's uh, our chief sound engineer. Um, and as a result of that, I don't have time to to necessarily script out all of the special editions that we want to put out, and I approached Mur and said, "Hey, let's you know let's, let's collaborate on this a little bit." And um, you know, I gave Mur a general outline. She um, put together a script. Um, I you know made some some uh, uh, modifications to it to kind of make sure we had continuity with the rest of the Leviathan universe. And uh, she went and then did a second draft, and that's pretty much what these episodes um, ended up being. So it's really fun. There's a lot of concepts that um, that are now going to be part of the Leviathan universe that Merck came up with completely on our own. And that's, you know, that's really fun. When somebody kind of shows you your universe in a slightly new light, it's great. Um, so Murr is going to be writing a couple other specialist episodes, as is another major podcasting author that I can't tell you who it is yet, but it's somebody who is, is, is in Murr's league, and um, it's somebody I'm so excited to have part of Leviathan. So that's going to be one of the next special edition episodes will be coming out and fans should definitely definitely stay tuned to see who that's going to be oh fantastic well uh, we won't hold people in suspense much longer we'll go straight on we're going to be featuring two 15 minute samples today uh, as well as the trailer to give you a sense of the whole thing first the rogue plague then the ward two new special editions paid downloads from Leviathan Chronicles and when you hear it you'll know uh, why you should be supporting this thing it's it's quite something you've 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 set up here uh christoph thanks so much this is a blast thanks for thanks for keeping us uh addicted to this leviathan adventure fred it's always great to be here man thanks so much all right that was christoph of leviathan chronicles as promised now um, we've got a couple episodes of leviathan chronicles first bit we're going to play for you is the rogue plague um takes us back to 16th century scotland evangeline you, of course you know evangeline if you don't you should probably go back and listen to season one of uh, the Leviathan Chronicles. Um, Vangeline sequeaks 
Harlequin to help her out, um, but they are dealing with a plague that's spreading all along the highlands of Scotland, driving people to madness, mad zombie creatures. Um, here's a little taste of it, and um, immediately after this teaser is going to be the first 15 minutes to get you hooked. This is written by both by Christoph Laputka, the creator of Leviathan, as well as Mer Lafferty. Um, if you've been anywhere in the podcast world, you know exactly who Mer Lafferty is. So this is a pretty cool treat to hear her work. Um, you know, she's often been in full, more uh, audio fiction type stuff and patio books, and here she is on Leviathan Chronicles, a fully fledged radio drama, audio drama, whatever the hell you want to call this art form. Um, over 100 minutes in the rogue play to wait, awaits you, but here's the teaser and then 15 minutes of it. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. I'm afraid you've done far worse than that. This one will be different. And why do you say that? Because he's different. Scotland, 1556. A deadly plague is sweeping the highlands, turning the God-fearing citizens of Edinburgh into deranged zombies. Possessing a shared consciousness, Bent on a deadly purpose. Too many people know who you are. Oh, bitch. I'll catch you soon. The victims all scream your name before they die. Evangeline! The church has ruled these illnesses to be demonic possessions. We must burn him at the stake at dawn. But one immortal from Leviathan knows better. My name is Evangeline. You are a heretic. I am a healer by profession. To defeat this disease, Evangeline must rely on her closest friends. I have been at your side for centuries. And you... Can I tempt you with an afternoon libation and court a new ally good afternoon travelers i am father harlequin tell me of this plague you spoke of and begin a powerful relationship that will span centuries i told you i wanted you here as a man not a priest evangeline an ancient evil has returned from Evangeline's past. You said the Skaradoth had been exterminated. Looking to exact revenge. And it's willing to create a supernatural army to destroy her. The next chapter in the Leviathan Chronicles is now available. Learn the original story of Harlequin, Banu, and Angus McKay in the latest special edition episode, The Rogue Play. If this disease is not stopped, it could wipe out half the population of Scotland. Download it now at leviathanchronicles.com or at backmybook.com. You may damn me for this, Harlequin, but I've done much worse. The past never forgets. Please, Father, isn't there anything else you can do? I'm afraid not. Your son Matthew's soul has left the grace of God. No, I, I'm sorry. I mean, Father, it's it's just a fever. He's a good boy. Matthew's always This been a- is beyond young Matthew, Jonathan. I can see that now as I lay eyes on his broken body. The Lord has fought valiantly for his soul, but the forces of evil are growing stronger in the woods here in the Highlands. Your boy is not the first demonic possession I've seen. A possession? But, but father, Dr. McAllister was here yesterday. He was able to bring the fever down for a little while. For a few hours, Matthew could recognize us. He was speaking and, and, and asking about the heifer that got out through the broken gate. He's a good boy, father, he is. We both know that Matthew was as pure as one of the Lord's angels. But Satan is seduced by the most pious among us. He has infected Matthew with his lies and now has taken his soul as his own. Satan? Father, the boy is only 15. He knows nothing of evil and, and it's just a 
fever. Please, please, Father, if you do just... Not, do not blasphemize my authority. I am a learned man of God, trained to fight the forces of evil. Look at your son, Jonathan. Look at him! The tall priest grabbed Jonathan's hand and pulled him across the dirty main room of his farming cottage. The two stood at the doorway of the only other room in the dwelling where the entire family slept. The priest stared at the young boy writhing on the bed, covered in perspiration. She's coming! She's coming! She's coming! I can feel her. the witch! A rotten odor permeated the room, and the young boy's skin was hot pink, with streaks of darker crimson running down his face like tears. His face appeared misshapen, and large dark spots of wet blood Blood stained the left and right sides of his head. He thrashed against the sheets and was completely oblivious to his father's and the priest's presence in the room. He spoke manically in whispers, sometimes alternating into screams and fits. He was unable to hear or comprehend any of the words spoken to him, and he repeated his own perverted speech like a litany. Eventually! My son, poor wretched soul. You see yourself, Jonathan, that he's possessed. He speaks now in tongues, conversing only with the demons that surround him. No, no, Dokum Kalsa said it could be a kind of rabies. He was bitten last week Look by... at him. He raptures with Satan, speaking of murder, deceit, and depravity. He even grows to resemble a demon more each hour than... Please, Father. The doctor was here for two days trying to help Matthew. He did everything he could with leeches and, and prepared an elixir of wormwood and lavender, but, but now he says there's nothing more he can do. He said he'd never seen a disease strike as fast as this, but, but you... You could talk to the church. Perhaps you could send for another doctor that knows more about it. I will speak to the church this evening and send word to the Cardinal in Edinburgh. Thank you. Thank you, Father. You'll, you'll help him then. Help him? My dear Jonathan, I will inform the Cardinal that if your Matthew survives through the night, we must burn him at the stake at dawn. The Leviathan Chronicles an audio adventure. Special Edition Episode Number Three The Rogue Plague. Your Ladyship. Viceroy, the church is just over the bluff there, on the short side of the valley. You can see most of the city from there as well. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. I'm afraid you've done far worse than that. Are you sure about this, Evangeline? I'm the leader of the immortal race and the defender of all mankind. I'm always sure. Forgive me for noting that your previous interactions with the Church of England have not always unfolded in an amiable manner. This one will be different. And why do you say that? Because... He's different. <laughs> we'll see. Come on now, The year was 1556, and times were dark in what is now the United Kingdom. The Protestant Reformation hammered Scotland as the country struggled with its own reformation, with both France and England demanding alliance through marriages. Closer to home, attendance in mass was falling, and the Catholic Church was losing its hold on daily life. Priests across the land fretted over the future of their church, their flock, and looming on the horizon was the fear of the plague of Justinian, what we now call the Black Death, that seemed to strike once every generation. But many living deep in the remote highlands of Scotland had been fallen by a mysterious plague, incurable, perverse, and unlike any other. 
Rumors spread of undead creatures roaming the night, spreading the disease on moonless evenings. The truth was that no one knew how the disease was spread, but the end result was always monstrous, and those afflicted seemed cursed. But for now, the misery of the remote Highland villages was far away from the small suburb of Edinburgh that was being approached by the richly appointed carriage inhabited by Evangeline and Benu. The carriage drew to a halt outside a modest stone church that sat nestled in the green breast of Arthur's seat. The two inhabitants exited the carriage and approached the entrance just as a tall young priest came peering out curiously. The holy man readied himself for a meeting with weary visitors as he prided himself upon opening his church to assist poor and hired travellers. He was mildly shocked to see a clean, tall, red-headed woman striding towards his doors, followed by a man covered entirely in white Franciscan monk robes. He was more accustomed to fatigued, dirty travellers, and this tall and impressive woman, while dressed simply, had a regal air about her that spoke of nobility, wisdom, and considerable wealth. The priest turned to face the man. Good afternoon, travellers. May I help you? You may, Father. Can you tell us if we've found the Church of St. Nicholas? Aye, indeed you have. And what brings two fine travellers such as yourselves to our humble church? We've travelled a long way to the coast of Scotland to seek the counsel of a certain man of the cloth, a Father Harlequin. Well, it would appear you've succeeded again. I am Father Harlequin, and let me welcome you to Edinburgh and my small parish. May God's blessings be upon you, sir. Actually, you're addressing me, Father. My name is Evangeline, and this is my second, Benu. Father? Apologies, my lady. Some time has passed since we've received visitors from far-off lands. From whence do you travel to our beautiful city? From a city you've likely not heard of, far, far to the south. I assure you that I'm quite learned in geography. Perhaps oceanography would be a more suitable skill. Benu. I'm sorry? Father, we have traveled many days to come to Edinburgh to come see you. Me? I can't imagine why. I'm nothing more than a country priest. It's your counsel we seek. You might have some insight into some unusual happenings further north in the countryside that we've been investigating. What sort of happenings? A small crowd had begun to congregate around the carriage as many local townsfolk peered at the strange visitors. I'd feel more comfortable if we could move this conversation indoors, Father. Of course, of course. Please. Father Harlequin extended his arm, leading Evangeline and Benu into the sanctuary of his church. So tell me, Miss Evangeline... Just Evangeline is fine. I'd be very appreciative to learn a little bit more about you and Mr. Benu. What is it you would like to know? Outside, you mentioned that you were conducting an investigation. Are the two of you employed by the sheriff? Did the queen... I assure you that we are not associated with any royalty or local authority. Forgive me, but your clothing and carriage would suggest that the two of you are citizens of substantial means. What is it exactly that you do, Miss... I'm sorry, Evangeline. My roles are many, but I am a healer by profession. Specifically, I'm looking into some information on a possible plague north of your city. I wanted to ask you some questions about it. A plague? I've heard nothing of a plague outbreak. Is there a plague in London, Paris, Rome? No, no. None that I've heard. This is not the plague of Justinian that you fear. This appears to be a very different illness. I'm afraid I don't understand. Is there some place we could speak more privately? Yes, come into my office. 
I would hear more about this. Evangeline followed him, her second keeping a respectful distance behind them. As they passed the altar, Banu and Harlequin genuflected and crossed themselves while Evangeline looked on. Harlequin did not notice Evangeline's blasphemy, but Banu shot her a cross look from under his hood. Show some respect, Evangeline. You risk drawing attention. I show more respect by not crossing myself. If I did, it would be false worship, which is hypocritical. And do you forget the Inquisition? Heresy can be punishable by death. I came here specifically because I heard this priest, Father Harlequin, unlike his brethren, has a brain in his head and may listen to reason. We need him, Banu. He just might see the benefit of healing his people over burning me at the stake. After all, we both know that's a futile exercise, don't we? We do, Evangeline. The trio walked down a set of narrow stone steps leading into the dim basement of the church. Crypts and adorned tombs flanked the trio on both sides as lambent candles cast macabre shadows on the wall. Where are we going, Father? This way. Father, I don't think... Just a bit further around the corner. The cave-like interior of the church's dark lower levels reminded Evangeline of the catacombs of Leviathan, but being inside a church still made her feel uneasy. She perceived only the violence and hypocrisy of the religious wars that swept Europe. She peered longingly from the sides of her eyes to find water somewhere amongst the stone. Water to comfort and soothe her, but there was none. Nor was there any escape route to her carriage if needed. <sighs> Enemy ground. Here we are. My apologies for the gloom, but some of us find being surrounded by souls of the enlightened to be comforting. Please, my office. The three of them assembled into Harlequin's office, a simple but comfortably furnished room with red velvet covered chairs and golden crucifixes on the walls. Harlequin sat behind a battered oak desk and frowned at the two of them. Evangeline and Benu, please, no more mysteries. Please tell me the real reason of your visit. Opulent strangers do not often walk into our humble church, and your carriage would appear grander than that of a healer. Tell me of this plague you spoke of, or tell me your true intentions. First of all, thank you for taking me seriously, Father. I promise you that we mean no harm to you or your congregation. We are seeking your help to combat a disease that I have seen many years ago and could kill an entire city of innocent people if left unchecked. You can't be serious. Father, the plague is insidious, and I fear may be creeping through the far northern villages, just beyond the scope of your flock. Those who suffer develop horribly red eyes while violent visions torment them. As the disease progresses, they become paralyzed and are able only to scream until blood vessels in their throats rupture. Their ears wither to nubs, and they often die with looks of utter terror on their face. It's a disease I have encountered before and successfully healed with a suffusion of saffron and other herbs. I wanted to know what you have heard, and most importantly, if any symptoms have been reported in Edinburgh. Indeed, I have heard nothing of this. However, I must ask why you have heard of this disease, but no word has reached Edinburgh. It truly sounds like a punishment from Satan himself. I'm afraid that's exactly the problem. Those afflicted are often mistaken for those your people would consider possessed, and therefore stigmatized. Father, um, may I have your leave to close the door? I wish to speak to you in private. I am bound by my oath to the Lord our Father to keep any confidence. Banu stared at Evangeline, and without being told, rose and closed the heavy door with a thud. He stood sentry just outside to guard the conversation of his mistress. Father Harlequin, it is no coincidence that I have come to your church to ask for an audience. I have heard that you are a man of reason. One who, despite what your faith or your leaders tell you, will keep your head about your shoulders and do what is right. You have heard? You seem to have heard a great deal about us here in Edinburgh. Where are you from again? Father, I'll be direct. If the plague spreads here to a major population center, it will take more than prayer and faith in the Almighty to stop this disease. 
It will take medicine and science, some that may be unfamiliar to the God-fearing members of your community. Some methods that may be considered too secular by church doctrine. W what exactly are you suggesting, madam? Evangeline. Evangeline. I will not have you make suggestions that some form of sorcery be performed while in sanctuary of the Lord's- Father Harlequin, I make no such statements of blasphemy. And yet I don't remember hearing about your paranoia. But I will grant you that these are times where suggestions and allegations can prove lethal. Pope Paul is ramping up the Inquisition in Southern Europe. Even you must admit that the logical mind does not rule these turbulent days. And yet you lead your flock with kindness and reason. This is what has brought me to you. This disease was once considered God's punishment against heretics, the pagan unbelievers, and therefore Christians did not see it as a necessary affliction to cure. I fear that it will be seen as such again, that those who suffer from the violent toll it takes on their bodies will also suffer the persecution of the church. People who contract the disease or whom witness or treat it will be loath to inform the church for fear of punishment greater than the plague itself. Father Harlequin, if this disease spreads, you will need medicine and my help to save the lives of those you care for. Harlequin leaned back in his chair and regarded this woman who seemed to know more about him than even his cardinal. She was right. However, as it was true that along with his love of the Almighty, Harlequin did prefer to act on reason. He was secretly against the Inquisition, but he also knew that to speak against it would be to invite it into his own church, damning him and perhaps his fellow priests, and perhaps even the members of his own flock. Pope Paul, God bless his soul, was a vengeful man of God, who it was said imprisoned those who spoke against him, Catholic or Protestant. He could hear the earnestness of this woman, how desperately she wanted to help the sick, but he could also hear the screams of the tortured, his own voice among them, if he took a wrong step in dealing with her. I understand your desire to help, but you are correct in the Inquisition's movements and any help I may give you could be invalidated if I am found to be aiding a heretic. And you are a heretic, are you not, Evangeline? I am the oldest kind of heretic, Father Harlequin. Although I never heard the words pagan witch before I met a Christian. But I give you my word that I am genuinely concerned about the health of your people, be they Catholic or the new Protestant religion or of the older Druid religions. I would like to discuss the matter further with you, Father, and with your permission, show you some of the medicine we have. Might I suggest we meet on more neutral territory to discuss this further? I was going to offer you lodging here, but you are not the average poor traveler, I gather. Thank you for the offer, but I have arrangements already settled and would rather invite you to dinner with me at the pub near my place of lodging. I will meet you at the docks after mass tonight. And thank you for listening, Father. Evangeline rose and nodded to Harlequin, while Banu opened the door for her. For a brief instant, the light caught the hooded man's eyes, and Harlequin could see the scars around them and the longing way he looked after his mistress. They exited his office, and Harlequin thought for a moment about the peculiar meeting and what Evangeline had said, and then suddenly he realized that he had never actually agreed to dinner. All right, thank you, Christoph, giving us the opportunity to play Leviathan Chronicles, The Rogue Plague. Uh, we got one more called The Ward. Um, similar vein, this is uh, more modern, though, a high-tech thriller taking place in Paris only 17 years ago. Again, we've got Harlequin. Uh, must be a theme there. People love um, that unsavory thief trying to steal a religious relic from the past, but a new security system has uh, maybe thwarting him. And uh, learn a little bit more about um, Harlequin and how um, people are trying to usurp his life many years later after his little falling out with Evangeline. 
Um, this one, again, was written by Christophe Laputka and Mer Lafferty. This episode is also, of course, a paid download. You can hear a teaser in the first 15 minutes and more at leviathanchronicles.com. At a swank benefit gala in Paris 16 years ago. Vodka <laughs> Gimlet on the rocks. One of the world's greatest thieves, Harlequin, decides to attend and enjoy the lavish festivities. Oh, oh, Monsieur Enchanté, mademoiselle. <laughs> After stealing the security schematics to Saint-Chapelle Cathedral... Windows equipped with sensor locks, motion detectors on the sides, probably connected to the main panel, the hall, no cameras, and... Is that a thermal, thermal imager, I see. Harlequin makes a surprising discovery. You little minx. After watching a young girl pickpocket and steal from some of the wealthiest patrons in Europe... Merci, madame. That was master-level pickpocket. Harlequin decides to investigate further. I was interested in a girl I saw the other night during your benefit. And is shocked by what he finds. She is usually only available for evening rendezvous. Get ready for season two of The Leviathan Chronicles by meeting one of its newest characters. This is Lizette. Fuck you. Special edition episode number four, The Ward, is the story of Harlequin meeting his match in the form of an 11-year-old orphaned girl. I will be a thief with you, Monsieur Harlequin. I can read you, Harlequin. As Harlequin tries to break into a museum... I want you to look at this blueprint. It's so complicated. He needs the help of the young girl. As we practiced in London, my dear. I did it! But when the mission goes bad... We have ten seconds before the security systems go on full alert. Damn, damn. Harlequin and his young cohort have to face an unexpected enemy. Harlequin! And barely escape with their lives. What will those mechanical men? Hold on. As their relationship develops. Damn you for creating a thief. Please forgive me. The tentacles of Leviathan reach out to disrupt his partnership. Communicating with another immortal is akin to betraying me. Hate you, Harlequin. And use the young girl as leverage to control Harlequin. I have heard recently of your association with a young human woman. Always the manipulator, aren't you, Evangeline? Soon, Harlequin's young ward will have to choose between her past... Am I just to tell to you? And her future. Or am I a partner in your escapade? Special edition, episode number four, The Ward, is available now for purchase at leviathanchronicles.com or at backmybook.com. Get it and learn the secret chapter in Harlequin's life that he's tried to keep from Leviathan. They can't know who you are or what you are to me. My lost daughter. When all hope is lost, who can a thief really trust? The Leviathan Chronicles, an audio adventure. Special Edition, Episode Number Four <laughs> The Ward, Paris, nineteen ninety six. Excusez-moi. Pardon, madame, monsieur. Pardon, s'il vous plaît. Bonsoir and good evening. I want to begin by saying thank you all so much for joining us this special evening for the annual Saint-Chapelle Benefactor Gala. This has been a record-setting event with over 400,000 francs raised just tonight. Your generous donations not only sustain the ongoing beautification project here at Saint-Chapelle Cathedral, but also help with the worthy charities that the church affiliates itself with. This year, the Event Sanctuary for Young Girls has been chosen as the beneficiary of the highest need charitable program of the church. 
As many of you know, for over 20 years, this worthy school has been housing the youngest girls that have been abandoned by their parents and left orphaned with no home or direction. Under the exemplary direction of Headmistress Guanivelle Lalibel, these girls are now being brought up in a loving home consistent with the values of the Bible. In fact, I'm proud to say that some of the girls have even been adopted by the generous patron of this event. No, no, for those eager Saint Chapelle, a venerable Parisian cathedral built by a devout Louis IX, was once a host to hundreds of holy relics of great importance in the Catholic Church. But through the years, most of those coveted relics had moved to more prominent display at the larger Notre-Dame Cathedral, while other smaller churches' relics found their home back in Saint-Chapelle. Whilst a modest church, it contained over 50 artefacts of great religious significance in the Catholic Church. One of its most significant pieces lay in a glass case on the church's second floor, where rested a hand-sized dark leather whip that was said to have touched and cut the flesh of Jesus Christ. Catholic legend stated that every weapon that touched Christ retained his holy blood and thus cannot be cleaned. By 1996, the cathedral had evolved into more of a museum than a functional parish and now was mostly used for lavish benefits such as this evening's gala event to benefit poor Parisian orphans. The church hosted the upper crust of Parisian and London society as well as others of the moneyed class who possessed power, poise and charm. But despite the formality of the event, not everyone in the room had elected to stand on ceremony. <laughs> oh, oh, Monsieur Harlequin, we shouldn't mm. do this. Mm. What if someone sees us? It's your fault wearing that dress tonight. Mm. Mm. Your perfume is driving oh. me mad. Mm. What if we're seen? The head curator should have a private mm. office nearby, shouldn't she? Mm. Please tell me it's close by. We oui, wait oui. this way. Tell me, how did a woman as young and as gorgeous as yourself manage to become the curator of some of the Catholic Church's holiest relics? I'm very talented, responsible, and intelligent. You're also ravishingly beautiful and quite a bit tipsy. Who was the one handing me glasses of champagne all night? Guilty as charged, I'm afraid. I was hoping to get you alone to tell you how much I admire your cathedral here. My cathedral? <laughs> I suppose you're interested in my... Flying buttresses. I was more interested in your security systems. Harlequin quickly took this opportunity to unfasten a button on Helene's blouse, pushing his double entendre. She giggled and allowed his advances. He slowly nibbled on her slender, fragrant neck as his fingers made quick work of her clothing that fell swiftly to the floor of the richly appointed office. Harlequin grabbed the back of Helene's sumptuous thighs and lifted her up into his mouth as she wrapped her legs around his waist. The two of them hungered for each other as their hands urgently explored their intertwined bodies. Harlequin carried the naked Helene to the edge of her desk, where the young woman renewed her lust for his mouth and yearned to taste every bit of him. Harlequin continued the passionate seduction as he visually catalogued the room. Mm, new security system. Windows equipped with sensor locks, motion detectors on the sides, probably connected to the main panel, the hall, no cameras. Is that a thermal image? In a moment of passion, Harlequin shoved the scattered papers lying on the desk aside while he carefully noted two folders with red tape bands around them. Helene was oblivious to this, enraptured by the effects of the champagne and the touch of Harlequin's veteran fingers. 
With some deft shifting of Helene's live body, Harlequin slipped to his knees, making sure he could reach the drawers beneath the desk. He softly pushed Helene's knees apart and pressed his head gently forward and dedicated his mouth to her pleasure, efficiently distracting her as his hands rifled through the desk drawers. He deftly unlocked the bottom right dresser, feeling for the crinkly thin paper typically used by architects for blueprints. Harlequin could easily identify what he was searching for by touch and swiftly removed the folded document from the desk drawer and placed it beside his knees under the desk. When he was confident that he had found everything he was looking for, he redoubled his effort upon the ecstatic young woman before rising from his knees and holding her tightly. Oh my, we really must host more benefits like this at our little church. Just tell me what cause you would like to support next, Monsieur Harlequin. I am certain there are more needs somewhere. That must be met. <laughs> oh, mon petit chou. I get great pleasure from being a philanthropist at these benefits. I believe I was created to give. Mm, I can surely attest to that. Helene gently hopped off her own desk and quickly attended to herself, putting her clothes back on and examining her face in her compact mirror. We should not be seen leaving together, should we? No, no, you're right. You should go first before they notice you're gone. After all, it is your night to shine, and currently you have a glow that the crowd should not be denied the pleasure of witnessing. Go, I'll be three minutes behind you. As you say, but if you are ever interested in my philanthropic efforts, you can call me any time, Monsieur Harlequin. My dear, you have already given me far too much already, and are entirely too trusting. Or maybe that's just the champagne. Now, let's see exactly what we're dealing with. Harlequin carefully walked the perimeter of Helene's office to make sure no hidden cameras were recording his actions. As soon as he felt secure, he quickly opened the blueprints he had pilfered from her desk. Hmm, this looks like a standard Holyfield system. Motion detectors, thermal imaging, guards stationed here and here. Hold on. Well, this is something new. A pheromone detector sensor now. Aren't we getting fancy? Mm. This might necessitate a little bit of homework. Harlequin glanced at the two folders with red tape that sat on Helene's desk and quickly stuffed them into the inside of his double-breasted Xenia tuxedo jacket. I'll just consider these a party favor. Harlequin discreetly opened the door to Helene's office and quietly exited into the corridor of the restricted administrative wing of the church's rear section. He was about to make a left to re-enter the benefit gala when he suddenly ducked behind a statue of St. Julian of Brieux. Well, what have we here? From between the arms of the statue, he spied a short body in a white blouse moving nervously through the restricted area of the church. He peeked his head out slightly and was able to determine by her frame that she was a young girl, not more than 10 or 11 years of age. She was small, of African descent, with creamy brown skin and short dark hair. As Helene was the only person at the benefit with a key, this young girl should not have been in the back office section of the church. Harlequin assumed she was one of the orphaned Haven girls and decided to follow her. The small girl urgently approached the long corridor of office suites and quickly twisted each doorknob to determine if it was locked. Almost every suite was, but finally one of the doors opened, allowing the girl inside. This is where it gets interesting. The girl was inside for less than 20 seconds, but proudly emerged holding a platinum Mont Blanc Meisterstruck pen that she quickly tucked into her pocket. Harlequin hung back further, allowing the girl to retrace her steps before she opened the previously locked office door and returned to the main hall of the benefit gala that was being held in her orphanage's honor. Harlequin discreetly followed her back out and made a swift beeline to the bar to secure himself both a proper cocktail and the best vantage point from which to observe more of the audacious girl's larceny. Vodka Gimlet on the rocks. Hmm. 
I feel like I'm at the movies. The young girl wandered the party, picking up dirty dishes and stray trays, as did many of the orphaned girls that were present at the gala. The church and orphanage decided to have several of the young girls in attendance to have the generous patrons understand exactly where their lavish donations were being spent. The girls also performed several charming songs and dance routines for the amusement of the guests. When the young girl Harlequin had been watching helped clear some of the half-empty wine glasses at one table, one of the elderly patrons who remained seated called the girl over to speak to her closely. The young girl kneeled in front of the grand dame and smiled sweetly while the elderly woman, who was covered in opulent jewellery, bestowed kind compliments upon the young girl, telling her how polite and pretty she was. It took a keen eye to see the young girl slip her hand into the patron's purse and remove a diamond-crusted cigarette case. You little minx. That was master-level pickpocketing. Harlequin had planned on leaving the party early after obtaining the schematics he needed, but decided to stay a little while and see what this intriguing young girl would do next. He watched, sipping his gimlet at the end of the bar and making idle conversation with those who drifted by, always keeping the girl in the corner of his eye. Later in the evening, she sang a short French song with three other girls and accepted small tips with grace and embarrassed humbleness. She was utterly charming in the public eye and disappeared into the crowd when she wanted to. She seemed to target mostly English philanthropists, taking bracelets, wallets, and even a necklace in one inspired lift that involved a drop tray and a deftly aimed stumble. Finally, he grew bored with the game she was playing and slipped quietly from the benefit into the Maserati Ghibli KS he had waiting outside. On his way out, he reached to drop off some money to support this promising young girl, but then learned she'd already helped herself to his wallet. That little mix. He considered going back inside to confront her, but instead stopped and just <laughs> shook his head. He respected fellow thieves too much, and she was already a master. London, England, two days later. The morning after next, Harlequin sat in his study and leisurely read over the information he had stolen in St. Chapelle. From the oversized windows in his office, he could watch people strolling through the gardens of Hyde Park. The spring bloom of the cherry blossoms that lined the serpentine had occurred a week ago, and the bright sun of the warm April day brought picnickers and tourists to the inviting green lawns of the park. But Harlequin's focus couldn't have been further from the bucolic activities just outside the doorstep of his mansion. Instead, he sipped on a glass of iced coffee with chicory and pondered how to get back what he firmly viewed as his. From a beautiful church that once held a piece of the true cross, to a bureaucratic office during the French Revolution, St. Chapelle Cathedral had been through a great deal of renovations in the past 800 years. The Gothic architecture was stunning, with some stained glass dating back to its original construction. Much of the lower chapel was a restoration, after the brutally violent use of the church during the French Revolution. But its structural beauty remained. Despite its historic aesthetics, it was the newly installed security systems that interested Harlequin the most. The motion detectors were standard and the locks laughably easy to pick. And Harlequin had long ago designed a series of specialized infiltration tools to deal with the thermal imaging cameras that lined the exhibit hall and the entryways of the church. The systems ran off a redundant generator in the church's basement, so it wouldn't be a case of simply cutting the power to the church, but Harlequin had certainly dealt with worse. But what concerned him most was the olfactory component, a scent-based security system that he had never faced before in his long career as a thief. His goal was simple. His old church, the one in Scotland, had been home to many relics of religious importance, and whenever Harlequin found those relics in residence in other places, he worked to recover what he thought of as his own. In St. Chapelle, he wanted the historic whip that had been supposedly used on Christ himself, with holy blood that could not be washed off. 
but right now his desires were being thwarted by a novel security system he had never encountered. Now this is new. Pheromone detection is the latest state-of-the-art in security measures. Innovative thieves have bypassed most of the protection systems created in the 20th century. No one can control their body chemistry. The array of olfactometers present have a computer-controlled detection system that's over 10,000 times more sensitive than the blood. Astounding. Can scan the air to find as little as one part in a hundred million. That's... that's pretty damn difficult, I would imagine. Mm. I honestly don't know what the Starstone did to our pheromone. Evangeline might know, but tragically we don't talk very much these days. Harlequin spent the morning doing scientific research on pheromones and human scent, chasing down a memory he had filed away decades before when he spent time as some biologists in Tasmania. Pheromones, pheromones. Some believed that while sexually immature children no, would be able to recognize pheromones on other people, they gave out little of their own scent until they entered puberty. <laughs> Harlequin laughed aloud as he realized the perfect opportunity that had fallen into his lap. He locked up the blueprints in his desk and picked up his phone to make an important call. Elizabeth, hello my love, it's Harlequin. How are you? Ah, jumping right to the point, are we? Oh, I certainly don't mind if we dispense of the pleasantries and get right to the point. If you do not wish to pretend that we left on good terms, I can certainly drop the facade. Yes, the point. I was getting to that. Remember that favor you owe me from the little border incident in Israel in 1984? Yes, I'm going to need to cash in on that. Oh, don't be like that, my pet. It's nothing too stressful, my dear. I merely need a French passport for a young girl around 11. No, I don't have a photo yet, but I can send you a digital one in about six hours. I'll need it in Paris as soon as you can. Yes, and by that I do mean today. Just as you needed my help on the same day service manner 15 years ago. Oh, Elizabeth, I am certain your unique and considerable skills will allow you to fulfill this small favor, and then you... Oh, it's not flattery, my dear. I have the utmost respect for your skills, as well as your particular brand of vulgarity. It is always a delight to be on the receiving end of your acidic tongue. Yes, fine, if you agree to do this, we will be even and I will never call again. But if you should need a favor in the future, please do not hesitate to... She hung up on me. How cheeky. There was little Harlequin liked more in the world than cashing in on debts, especially decades later. He liked reminding people that he didn't forget things. After the brief exchange with Elizabeth, an old ally he had helped out of Israel after an incident concerning her illicit passport business, he began making arrangements to travel yet again. He had to go back to Paris. All right, and that was The Ward. Um, so you've heard two teasers of Leviathan Chronicles material. Um, if you're getting sick of, of people giving you teasers, you want to hear full productions, you can go to leviathanchronicles.com and listen to the entire first season for free. And there's a couple other paid downloads if you get sucked into the Leviathan Chronicles world, as I have. Um, of course, with Final Rune Productions, we have plenty more at finalrune.com. But we hope that you will support this work because people are doing this uh, trust me, have a huge personal stake into it. Um, we're doing this for the love of it, and it's very much a crowdsourced model. Um, you are making this happen by your support. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and if you can't support financially, of course, uh, telling your friends is a great way. Um, all sorts of ways to share Radio Drama Revival. Um, you can tell people about the website, radiodramarevival.com. Over 200 hours of free archived audio podcasts there. You can hit up our Facebook page, Radio Drama Revival. You can follow us on Twitter, 
at Radio Drama. And of course, iTunes is the famous way to do it. Uh, Radio Drama Revival is our iTunes search if you want to find us. And please leave a review if you like this show. Um, and we'll be having ways for you to get involved with The Cleansed, too. Um, including a special um, newsletter just for the cleansed folks, um, a weekly podcast update, stuff like that. Uh, that's all at thecleansed.com. Great episode art. And if you are teased in this series, it's going to be a lot more of it. So don't worry, you're not going to miss it if you're a fan of this podcast. But thecleansed.com for that. Yeah. Um, but that, we wrap this show this week. Radio Drama Revival is produced by yours truly, Fred Greenhalge. Copyright of individual shows remains their original producers, but do please share this show as far and widely as you'd like. Radio Drama Revival originates on on-air radio at WMPG-FM, Southern Maine's community radio, and is podcast at radiodramarevival.com's Labor of Love. Till next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in, and have a great week. 